Legally Vocal from Aperio, with guest host I, Stephanie Boyce, celebrating women in legal. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Legally Vocal. I'm I, Stephanie Boyce, the president of the Law Society of England and Wales. And with me today is Alexis Alexander. Alexis, welcome. Hi. So Alexis, tell us a bit more about yourself. I am GC of a company called Liberis. Liberis is a fintech, an embedded finance provider, which basically means we provide um, the back-end finance to large strategic partners, such as WorldPay, Fiserv, Jaw, etc. And we enable them to provide finance to their end customers so that they have this kind of one-touch embedded journey of being able to apply for finance to make it quick and easy and sort of one click. So I run legal and compliance at Liberis. I've been there for just over three years. I'm also mummy to three children, four-year-old twins, Jackson Hero, and baby Lennox, who is 10 months. In terms of what I like when I'm not working, when I'm not mummying, which leaves me not very much time for me, um, I am a very avid uh, runner. So I do run at a minimum 12K a day. Um, it's my wow. only bit of, it's my only thing that keeps me me uh, without uh, doing uh, something for someone else all the time, whether it's children or work, etc. So yeah, that's a little bit of an insight to me. And have you done your 12K already today? I've actually done 15 today. Oh, wow. Gosh. Yeah. Today is Friday, so it's an extra bit. <laughs> right. So I once read about you. Uh, what does bravery, marathons and superwomen have in common? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, so tell me a bit more about that. What do they have in common? I think, so first of all, I never, I've had people sort of in the past, mainly because of how much I do. I'm not sure whether I do it well, but, um, you know, use the term superwomen or whatever. I actually think I just have a lot of stamina. I actually think that's mm -hmm. the biggest part is mental stamina. Well, you certainly have more than me. I can do 12, <laughs> 15, <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, it's just, and all of the things that, you know, we've talked, that I've mentioned. So being a GC at a very high sort of hyper growth company um, that's sort of gone from being in the UK to the UK, the US and Europe, uh, whilst I've been there in the last three years. And then having my young twins, uh, giving birth to another baby last year, it all together, I think each of those things, and then the running as well, it, they each require sort of mental grit, I would say. Um, so yeah, I think if there's one thing that, uh, that I probably have abundance of, it, it is that. It doesn't always feel like it at times. But um, yeah, I think that's probably the commonality between them. So thinking a bit more about that mental grit, you know, um, and as we approach International Women's Day, and of course, this year's theme is about hashtag break the bias. Yes. So thinking about mental grit and thinking about the biases that, 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 that are still out there, that still exist, what would be your three pieces of advice, I guess, to those listening today? Number one, which I feel quite strongly about, or very strongly about, is be authentic. Don't feel, you know, as I mentioned, I've got I've got the three kids. I do a pretty pressured job. Don't feel you need to hide them in a cupboard on a Zoom call. You know, be yourself. Work to your best ability and be yourself. And I think that so that is is the first thing because it's actually exhausting doing a, a stressful sort of high pressure job. If you're then trying to hide a load of stuff at the same time, that's even more exhausting. So, um, so that's my first piece of advice: be authentic. My second piece of advice is recognize your achievements. Don't just focus on what you haven't done. Um, I am terrible at this. I pretty much always focus on what I haven't managed to achieve. But I know for a fact that when I am able to sit back, and it's often a case of 
having that ability to take a step back to actually realize what you have done in the last month, year, etc. Um, that helps you gain perspective. And then I think the third thing is, and this is both in the work and a, and a personal context, is just is value your relationships with people. And that's at work as well, because the work product, the deliverables, um, all of these things, they're, they're highly important. And the quality is is obviously a given that it needs to be brilliant. But the relationships you build with the rest of your exec team, for example, your teams, uh, for me, my legal and compliance team, the wider business teams, and equally, you know, in your personal life, are just so, so valuable. Like never un underestimate the value of good relationship building. So I think those would be my three pieces of, of advice. So taking you back to the first piece of advice, be authentic and listening to what you said, what about those listeners who are sat here saying, I do not feel that I can be authentic, that I can for a number of reasons um, as a woman, that I do not feel that I can bring my complete whole self to work, to the workplace um, because of, i.e., the position they're in. They're not in a senior position enough, perhaps, to make that call. What do you say to them? So I say to them, first of all, first of all, work out why they don't feel comfortable doing that. Because sometimes we take things upon ourselves. So we blame ourselves, particularly as women, I think, but but everyone, and put it on ourselves. Like, I don't feel I can do that because it's something to do with me. But actually, if you take a step back and think, why don't I feel able to do that? It could be that you're in an organization or a culture that isn't that isn't right for you. Equally, it could be that you need to make some changes. But that aside, so I think I would ask the question and see if you can work out what the reasons might be, the underlying reasons, and what you can do to address those reasons. I think the other point is it, it may not be that you need to bring your whole, whole self. Maybe for, you know, people are different, and maybe there's only, there are some things that are kind of non negotiables. So being able to be honest about the fact that you're a parent and it's really impossible on some days for you to leave at exactly a certain time and you just have to leave that little bit earlier but you're worried about what people will say i really would challenge that person to raise that in a really uh, unemotional but sort of fact-based way because i do think we tend to build things up and actually the more we vocalize the more helpful it is. I think a lot of the time people just don't realize. So that would be something else. I would also really advise people to, and I don't like using the word because I think people feel it's a very formal thing, but get a mentor. And it doesn't- I was just about to ask, yeah. Yeah, I don't believe in, I'm not a big believer in mentorship programs. I'm sure they're great. I personally have never done one, but I have mentors. And by which I mean people that I've identified. As, How many have you got? Um, I would say, because they don't know themselves as mentors, because we don't call yeah, each other yeah. mentors. We're now friends, right? It's not, yeah. um, I would say, so I have definitely got two main mentors. One is a man, one is a woman. But I am also a mentor to um, to a number of people. But, but you know, we don't do it as a, as a program. It's more, I'm their sounding mm. board. And mm. sometimes you just need to gain perspective from, in a safe place from someone that's been through it. Or that hasn't necessarily been through it, but has seen it or might have a different perspective. So... I'm a big believer in finding those those people and having that safe space. Absolutely. And of course, one of the things that I always say is, you know, I'm absolutely grateful to all those mentors, sponsors, 
known and unknown who has supported me, advocated for me, lifted me. Yeah. So absolutely. So thinking about hashtag break the bias and imagine us living in a gender equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes, discrimination, where there is parity, equality of opportunity. Have you observed any barriers or biases against women in the legal industry? And what initiatives have you seen that works? Funnily enough for me, I think increasingly people are aware of gender inequality and biases in a kind of formal context, by which I mean percentage of women in in the workforce, percentage of women at a senior level, etc., where there are statistics. I think where things haven't moved on so much is in the unconscious bias and the cultural biases, because that is harder to tackle and harder to prove um, effective remediation for. So in terms of initiatives, I think I've seen a number of, you know, more informal networks um, being produced for women, women in legal, both in-house and just generally, which essentially provide, again, it's more of that sort of safe space, but also a forum to kind of make their own suggestions and proposals of how to address uh, these sort of things. The other thing that I have seen is in law firms in particular, I have always uh, I've, whenever I run an RFP or I um, send out our values and, and criteria by which we assess law firms, we have a, cult, a, a kind of cultural values piece. And that speaks heavily about diversity and inclusion um, and all of that sort of thing and, and what we would expect in a law firm. And I definitely think that there has been an improvement in terms of how law firms not only address it, but actually see it as an asset these days and you know are are excited to uh, show the developments and the progress that they have made towards equality and uh, combating biases in the workplace Um, so that's definitely something you know it used to sort of be maybe a token mention it's definitely now becoming something that law firms understand is important and can be an asset to them and uh, and a competitive advantage frankly. Mm. And of course what we do know the Law Society having done some research on this is that If you happen to be female and you happen also, in addition to be from an ethnic minority background, we know that you are more likely to go in-house for a number of reasons. Why did you choose to go in-house? So my reason, it's funny you say that because um, I think it's true. And for me at the time, I went in-house very quickly. So um, Mm. I trained and qualified at one of the Magic Circle firms. And I, I'm quite known for my, my, my workaholic ethic. So it's, it definitely wasn't, I was shy of the long hours, but it was more that I looked around me and I, I remember particularly working with a female partner in one of the teams, um, during my training contract. And, and I remember the way she had behaved towards an associate who was pregnant and, um, and she had she, th- this associate had basically you know been really brought to tears pretty much um because this female partner had said you know it's just not acceptable you you've got to be like a man you know um it it doesn't matter that you're feeling you know rubbish because you're pregnant and all of this stuff um you need to come in um you can't go home early this sort of thing right and and i just remember seeing that and just thinking i don't want to i knew i wanted to be a mum and i said you know i just don't, i don't want to be a mother in that environment um, 
And I'm not going to be able to get to the top here because I am an ambitious person. I'm not going to be able to get to the top here to get partnership or whatever and be the mum I want to be. Now, that was a long time ago. And I actually think that scenario is unlikely to be the case anymore. But I do think there's a, a kind of perception, which I don't think is necessarily a correct one anymore, that going in-house means a better work-life balance and means you can be mm. the mum and be present and succeed. What I would say is I think COVID has changed everything for everyone. So I think law firms pretty much approach the hybrid working style and flexible working as much as in-house now. Um, and so I do think that has been a huge change. And it's the, one of the few, if only, positive things that has come out um, of the pandemic, which is that I do think it has made flexible working a cultural an accepted cultural norm and so that has benefited part-time parents work uh, mothers fathers etc so I think within house I mean what I would say is I work pretty insane hours but uh, Monday to Sunday but in my own way so um mm -hmm. and my and my business is you know I as I said on the authentic piece I do not hide my children so if it's you know if it's a if I need to do a call at seven o'clock um whatever time it's nine o'clock hopefully nine o'clock they'd be in bed but I pretty much fail at that every time you know there might well be a, a small face in the screen and I feel my business is not stuffy they're very they're very flexible they're very open it wouldn't be a problem so the hours themselves aren't the problem the ability to be authentic and not have to hide my family and the fact that I'm also a mother as well as a lawyer is is really important to me and what do we say to organisations that don't allow that authenticity, that be yourself, you know, uh, mm. all of that to thrive? What do we say to them? Of course, we could say to them, you know, that's unacceptable, it's ethically unacceptable, it's discriminatory, all of these things. But actually, what might make even more of an impact on those kind of organisations, if they are behaving in that way, which means they may not be as receptive to hearing that, is you're going to lose out. It's, it's going to be, it's a competitive advantage to be inclusive, to be diverse, to be open to hybrid working, to be, um, to offer flexible uh, working. That is a competitive advantage. You are going to lose out because you're going to be one of few. And I think that is a really, a really impactful way of saying it to those sorts of organisations. Mm. And thinking about the future, speaking to the future, looking to the future, we know that things have changed, but we know that there is more to be done. So thinking about those who are coming up behind us, who we're going mm. to pass the baton to, mm. what would you say to them? My three pieces of advice, I'd, I'd, I'm a big believer in the authentic piece. So I would definitely say don't lose sight of who you are. Um, mm. uh, I would also say to them, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I'm guilty myself of trying to sprint, always sprinting. I am a runner after all. but. Um, but I think, as we've seen through the pandemic, you don't really know what's going to get thrown at you. And, you know, whether you're a lawyer in-house, a lawyer in private practice, you're going to have to have resilience. And there will be times that you, you don't know which are coming, where you'll need to have even more resilience than you might have today. And so don't burn the candle. And I mean, coming from me, it is slightly ridiculous and very much pot kettle. Like, But... <laughs> it's what I would say to others. It was, you know, I would say, just remember, it's a marathon and there will be peaks and troughs, um, but it's not going to just be one peak. So make sure you've got enough in your tank. And also make sure you've got your cheerleaders. 
because it can get mm. tough, you know, at times with a, I mean, I look at, I look at the, I remember it, last, was it last year? I've lost track of time, to be honest with you, but we were in the, you know, the midst of, of um, the pandemic. Everyone was sort of up in arms. I was seven months pregnant, seven, eight months pregnant with Lennox. And the business was, uh, the US and the UK business were both sort of, you know, really struggling at that point and just trying to come to terms with everything that was happening and we're having to put lots of emergency measures in place we were global obviously we are global so europe us and uk and i was just it was just me in the team in both legal and compliance because uh, i'd only just taken over compliance and that team had sort of you know imploded and we and in legal two people basically left to go home and and i was you know very soon to be having a baby and I just remember thinking, this is so hard. And actually, one of the things that kind of got me through was, was I say, like my cheerleaders, but cheerleaders within and without of the business. So, you know, the people in your personal life that are really, really great at keeping you, uh, that bring you up. And then also um, people within your organization. So our COO is, is amazing. And he's just a very... Um, He's brilliant at his job, but also just a great human being. And so he was a great support and I would just talk to him and we would kind of vent to each other. And and then my mentor um, outside of the organization was also great to chat to. And just, you know, he he's very good at, he would be very good at saying, get some perspective, you know, think of these things in order. And um, and so that's what I would say as well. Get your, get your cheerleaders in place. Excellent. And if you were to bury a time capsule, what would you put it in? Oh God, that's difficult. Um, <laughs> what would I put in my time capsule? All of the photos that are stored on my phone, and I have millions and millions that I, I assume are in this cloud, but um, but of of my family and my children. Um, I would put in all the. Uh, this mainly relates to my kids, to be fair. But all of the little things they make, all of their little, uh, all of the stuff they grow out of, like the most uh, important things. Um, and keepsakes related to them because um, I do worry they just grow and you, it's, you know time just goes um, what else would I put in I will put in uh, my husband very kindly made um, when I got into the hot 100 for the lawyer um, my husband made this really sweet montage of all the stuff that I'd gone through in my career and actually the fact mm. that one the fact that he even cared and made note of it was a miracle <laughs> and two you know, it was, it made me sort of, it was one of those rare moments I mentioned earlier, which is like you step back and actually realize you have achieved something. I think that was for many reasons, very meaningful to me. I think they're the main things, mainly photos of the family and, and that. Excellent. So a world that's diverse, equitable and inclusive, where collectively we can all hashtag break the bias. Alexis Alexander, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Legally Vocal from Aperio. Join the conversation on LinkedIn or Twitter at Legally Vocal and follow on your podcast app of choice for every episode as it's released.